0: Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Drink, winemaker, solar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron.
1: Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that.
0: Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash All About Wine BTR. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash All About Wine BTR. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. <laughs>
1: Thank
0: you, thank you, thank you. Right.
2: Here's the bus. a approaching. and the door opens. Good job. If you haven't, oh. if you haven't seen this new intro yet, you need to go no, I after haven't. the show. I, take, right. take a look at the intro because it is. Uh, I every time I see that I'm just like, wow, that was really good. <laughs> all, just, right. Right. But, all right, all oh, right. This is
1: perfect. Is that the link you <laughs> sent me?
2: No, I didn't. I didn't upload that one. This is a whole oh, okay. uh, different. Uh, where's my wine start one? Oh, oh. Um, no, it's a different one. But i you know, only oh, put something well. on the screen here. Yeah, you got to take a look at it sometime. It's uh, all right. That's here. But <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah,
2: Facebook, yeah. Twitch, uh, Mixer. It's all
1: on there. <laughs> They're all on there. Okay.
2: Welcome uh. to this show. Well,
1: oh, if, I forgot to say something to you too at the at the beginning. Mm. I'll tell you now since we're live. If I disappear, is because mm. of afternoon evening storms that are going around here. Yes.
2: So, yeah. yeah. They've rolled through here as well, so yeah, you have yeah. to uh, get disconnected and it
1: from that. Doesn't have to happen right here on top of us. It could happen, you know, uh, ways away and knock us out. Yeah.
2: Ours is usually uh when it hits Georgia real heavy, power goes out here in Florida. So right. um, the southern southeast of Georgia it, it affects us here in central Florida for some reason. Wow.
1: <laughs> so, so. Ours usually is, is from uh the west coast of Florida up. You know, going up to uh Crystal River and stuff like that. And if it hits there it usually affects us here, so
2: how is that
1: connected? Uh, I, I don't know. I I, I don't think, yeah. Oh, well, it's the grid, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That's always, you know, that? the grid, yeah. <laughs> the grid. That's the answer to everything, <laughs> the grid. That's right.
2: <laughs> it, is, yeah. it is May 28th, and uh, Ron is here, as always. Thank you uh, for tuning in, uh, whether it's live or on archives or someplace. We appreciate it. If you have any questions or comments regarding uh, wine or the wine industry, you can post them on Twitch. Uh, Mixer, Facebook And the Blog Talk Radio chat Which is our main host And thank you for joining us And we really did the here's Ron thing So here's Here's Ron no, That's the wrong sound effect Hold on Here What happened to my uh... Anyway here's Ron
1: This This is the one Wow all right. That's enough. That's Okay. Yeah. they get carried away there. You know. I, just, I do. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? Well, uh, a couple of quick announcements whatever. to all of you out there. We have a guest next week. Tune in. It should be fun. His name is Alan Goldfarb, and he is uh, – yeah, Goldfarb. He is – a well, a little bit of everything right now he's a consultant a uh, wine journalist and p r consultant, but he's had his fingers in all sorts of stuff over the years uh including being uh a writer for spectator wine spectator and wine enthusiast and decanter and wine business monthly and the St. Helena star. He's a wine editor and all sorts of stuff. He's got himself you know, quite a pedigree of, of things that he's written for and he will be our guest next week. So it should be fun. Uh, he's, he and I have been corresponding. He's connected me with the guests we've had the last couple of weeks. And so he'll be on himself this week. So tune in next week. It's It, it should be a interesting interview i've uh, he's been interesting just on the emails and it could be continued on that hopefully continue on looking forward to talking with him and then sometime in June also we will be talking to an editor from Wine Spectator magazine. Yay. I mean, we feel quite privileged about that. We're in corresponding with a contact there and we will see what happens and let you know and keep you informed on that. Want to thank the guests for the last couple of weeks. It's been fun. It's been great. And I'm glad they had a chance to be on the show and they were really informative. I love it when the guests get on there and we can find out stuff about what's going on all over the place. other things. Speaking of finding out stuff, I want to tell you since we haven't had much of a chance to talk about it over the last couple, three weeks because of guests, I want to talk about COVID-19 and how it's affecting the wine industry. Uh, And not just the wine industry, liquors and all that stuff. It is definitely taken its toll on businesses, as you can well imagine, but it's also done quite the number on the wine industries and how they're being affected and workers in the wine industry, and and, well, we can go on and on, but that's going to be my subject tonight. I'm going to talk about some of this and some of the things that I've found here about what's going on. And so let's uh, jump into the first one here. Uh, the Bay Area, when they speak of Bay Area in the wine industry, you always speak of San Francisco Bay Area. I mean, that's usually what is the closest to Napa. And they you know, you only, you know, say the Bay Area. and Napa is to the north and just to the east is Livermore. Livermore Valley, into the south, you start running into Paso Robles and all that. So, the what's going to happen? What's what are they look at? The wine industry going to be like, and they're saying it's going to be different. It's the, the things are reopening, but the it, how will it bounce back? Small wineries in Northern California have lost on an average of forty to. Mm-hmm. Whoa, there we go. Can you all hear that?
2: Sales during the shutdown. I spoke to a top wine analyst, Robin County. He says wineries are going to have to shift
1: business models, and
2: many should really start thinking now about marketing towards a younger crowd. I think at this point, with older consumer sheltering in place, uh, maybe a little less anxious to get out, you're naturally going to have that younger consumer in your tasting room. And so, what I've suggested to Wineries, my blog, is that they think about maybe changing their tasting fee. Maybe what we should do is think about uh, surge charging, so like like Uber does. You know, if it's super busy, you raise the price. If it's not busy, you lower the price. Instead of having a flat a flat thing. Interesting idea there, but Rob says right now the average tasting fee in NAP is about $45 a person, so a little steep for maybe a younger couple. Uh, still, wineries rely heavily on profits from their tasting rooms and from restaurants, neither of which will be reopening at full capacity, it seems, anytime soon. On the flip side, large wholesale wineries. You saw the supermarkets are the winners right now. They're seeing on average a 60% increase in sales, but thanks to so many people sheltering at home and buying wine.
1: All right. I hope you all heard that. Could you hear that? Okay, on your end there, Mike.
2: Yeah, I did actually. Who was okay, that? So, who was that from?
1: That was from. That was that was from Channel Seven News in San Francisco. Uh, Channel Seven, ABC News in San Francisco. And uh, once I pulled up this site here, it, it automatically played. And uh, so I figured, hey, that would be a good opportunity for you all to just hear it. I think one of the things that shocked me in that report was that the average price for a tasting in Napa is now $45 per person. Oh my gosh, how can, you know, you, you, you can't do that. You can't, you know. And in fact, it says here in the article, the average tasting fee in Napa is currently $45 per person. You know, I, it just that to me that was staggering when I when I first read that. Yes, yes, you you got that right. And so, uh, they have a lot of young people coming up from San Francisco, and they start hitting Napa there. And ninety dollars for two of them to taste at one winery, uh, it's just overwhelming. So that might be something that. The wineries in California and all that look at now, too, because this COVID, they may close down, and you've got the wine train, you've got all sorts of other stuff that can will run you into more money than a day at Disney World for two people. I mean, it's it, if they want to recover from this shutdown. They need to do something about some of these prices too. I think. I mean, that's just personal thought there, but it's. But I understand why they have to charge. But forty-five dollars—that's a little bit staggering. I mean, they're not. Well, I guess if a bottle of wine costs hundred and fifty dollars, and tastings might run forty-five. But sales over last year uh, is down, but it has not down greatly it's just going to change they're going to have to focus on younger people like that guy just said and start working with restaurants and direct consumers through the tasting room more so than just trying to make sales directly out the tasting room because that has changed so much with the uh, uh, COVID-19 going around uh Let's see, and you're gonna have to bear with me through this because there was other things that are in this I need to find. Uh, Okay, okay, here's one. Um, It says that the wine industry. This is from Wine Business News, uh, the wine industry news. It says that they face a year-long convalescence from COVID-19. It has, they're saying it's going to be at least that long. It would take at least a year before the wine industry begins to make, have a clear picture of what the recovery is going to look like. Uh, it's going to be challenging. They're saying it's uh, in the wine industry. The um, it's uh, going to be out for the long haul. It's not going to be something that's going to happen in a short period of time. They have a, projected growth chart here they show what the growth has been it dropped in 2008 third quarter 2008 through through 2009 and 10 because of the uh, inflation we had uh, the recession at that time but it's steadily growing throughout that period of time up to the first quarter of this year or uh, the last quarter of this year the first quarter of this year started to taper off seriously uh well at the end of it which pulled it down January February March wasn't bad it was uh March April May that has really hit the industry. The uh consumers spent seventy five point one billion dollars on wine last year, which was five percent more than the previous year. Uh the case volumes increased by just one percent. Domestic wines accounted for 297.3 million cases and 1% less than a year earlier. So uh, Oregon grew by 3%, which is not the only one. But the current modeling indicates that consumer spending will decrease by 14% because of COVID-19 on this quarter. And they don't have final numbers yet, obviously, because it's just, now getting at the end, and they're looking at case volumes to fall by 37 percent, or approximately 13 million cases, cases less than what uh, they did last year at this time, which is going to do a major impact on the industry. And this is not just California; this is throughout the entire industry. The uh, and America. Uh, So it is something that is going to take time. They're saying that we won't hit the same levels of sales and cases and monies as we have for the first quarter of 2020 until probably the third quarter of 2021. So that's going to be a slow, long growth. For the wine industry to pick up, it's going to be uh, a year-long, like say, year-long convalescence. That is, of course, banning any possibilities or probabilities of anything else happening. Another drought could cause some more problems and stuff like that. So we're waiting, looking, and seeing what might happen with the uh, uh, convalescence of the wine industry. In uh, the uh, aftermath of this COVID 19, the um, another article here it says the wine is adjusting to the marketplace uh, amid the COVID 19. This is from uh, Western Farm Press. Uh, the uh, article is saying that. Uh, Wine is evolving, virtual vineyard and winery tours, dinner and wine kits, and supper at home are all replacing the Let's Eat Out Tonight adventures uh, with um, uh, the, let's see, this is Chianti Global Wine and Grape Brokers uh, based in California. Off-premise wine sales were up as high as 66% and uh, in uh, April, and they are continuing to climb through March. They haven't got final numbers on that yet. says so it looks like the world is turning and wine is getting bottled and being shipped, and consumers are still buying, but not in the style that they used to. Uh, as of uh, March, the membership in direct consumer wine clubs was increasing by 578%, and online wine sales was increasing by 224%. Staggering numbers, staggering numbers there. The current situation is impacting, obviously, a lot of the smaller wineries and a lot of the ones that aren't on a national go-to list. And I say that simply because if you know the wines you like, if you know the wine you, you like to buy wine from, it's easy enough to find it and get it. But if it's little small boutique wineries, those are the ones that are not doing as big of a sales. Those are the ones that are yelling at we're here, we're here. Buy some from us. Uh, They're going to have to reload their inventory and resume buying grapes, and that's going to take people. And that's what's going to create a problem, too. There are still the possibilities of spreading diseases and stuff. A lot of immigrant workers aren't coming up. I just read somewhere, and I don't know a source, but I do, do know I read it, that A lot of the immigrant workers that are usually up and working in fields and orchards and and things like this aren't making the trip. And Michigan, I think, Minnesota, places like that, who normally need people after the winter season to do some harvesting and picking, aren't there. They're hurting for people to be out in the field and work because a lot of the immigrants that travel up for work season from Mexico and Central America are not making the trip this year or yet. I say this year, but are yet. And this is something that they're saying could continue throughout the year, which is really going to put a bind on, well, all crops, particularly grapes and all these that have to be picked by hand. And A lot of these hand-picking crops, not all of them are available to do machine picking because they're not trellised and set up for that. So they're looking at trying to find what they can to start picking up to do the picking and they're already starting to look at that uh, to see what is available and what's going to be available and who's going to be available and how they're going to look at doing the harvest come latter part of the summer, not too soon to try to find out. And so that is something that is becoming an issue already. What are we gonna do for for harvest? And they're seeing how other other crops, um, whatever they may be, are already having problems finding people. And because of that, this could be a problem also later in the year for the grapes. So that's that's something that we may, uh, may be hearing about or seeing before long here. And let me check here on something. Uh let's see. I see a lot of other things here that I want to bring up. But uh, coronavirus in Nova Scotia, we think, I, I don't know about you, but whenever I start seeing this stuff about coronavirus and all that, I think the United States and how we're hurting here and all that. But this is a worldwide thing, worldwide lockdown. It's affecting every country, everywhere. It affects to the point where the quality and everything is the same as we're we're facing here in the United States. And because of that, it's hard to imagine that all of this is... Oops, I don't want to play that. Pause. Um, Hard to imagine that all of this is not just in our backyard here. This is for everywhere and the effects are everywhere. Nova Scotia is normally a busy place this time of year, but because of the coronavirus, they have really, really slowed down. Uh, Luckett Vineyards is an example they're using here. usually attracts thousands of visitors annually, but right now, their tasting room in the restaurant that they run in Gasparo Valley is empty. Uh, they're actually uh, open season right now, technically, but because of the shutdown uh there is it's basically empty. They said it would normally be packed uh because of the beautiful weather and all that, but they can't so they said that this is as everywhere else affecting them uh with the uh uh what they're gonna do for the future. they said they do have sales. Uh, winery has adopted its business model, but they're now delivering to Halifax Regional Municipality and across the province, which they haven't had to do before because most of the stuff that they had sold directly through the winery. Uh, it's something that lots of wineries are faced with now. They are not selling through their winery which is, well, a lot of places, I I know as much as 70% of the sales of the wines are usually through the winery. It says the impact on tourism is uh, the downturn has not only impacted area wineries, but businesses, uh, the industry supports. And this is something, too, within the wine industry. Nearly 10,000 tourists visited the Annapolis Valley via the Magic Winery bus last year, and this is up in Nova Scotia, but on Monday it canceled all bookings for May and June, uh, our June and, for the end of May and June and July and uh, said they've never had to cancel before, cancel before but this is really affecting this is uh, they've sold out consistently over the last two seasons with 150 people per day, but because of the impact of the coronavirus, it's going to be in the region, the magic winery bus has an economic impact of just over $3 million for the region because it's pulling people in, dropping them off at wineries, to restaurants and stuff like that. So, the whole impact of everything where it's it's impacting the businesses and around it is still something that is hard to uh, hard to imagine the whole the whole mushroom of this. So they remain hopeful over the course of the next couple of weeks that some of that information will become much more clear to us of what they can do and what they are able to do so that they can plan on guests and ensure guests are safe and comfortable and that they can uh visit the winery and start doing going back to some sort of uh, uh well comfort zone with them if you will uh wow, quite a n- few numbers here uh I'm looking at canadian numbers here uh now, oh, this is up to date there. 88,501 confirmed cases in Canada with a recovery of 46,853 with deaths of 6,877. That's a big gap in there. That's a big gap from confirmed. I guess it's walking confirmed. So, Nova Scotia, another example. Of how the wineries are hurting and what's happening in that area. I noticed something here I want to talk about for a second too. Oh, we have a call in. Oh, we don't. We got something from (laughs) something from Saint Petersburg, which Uh,
2: (laughs) answer it and you should answer it and say all about wine. You're on the air. All All about about wine.
1: I usually said, all about wine, you're on the
2: air. I used to, I used to do that to telemarketers.
1: Did you? Mm-hmm.
2: I used to do that all the time to telemarketers. You're on the air. Thank you for joining us. And they're like, oh, <laughs> Hang up. It's like, all right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea. I have to do that. Well, but a lot of times you go, I know this is all about wine. You're on the air. This is Martha on a recorded line. I want to hang on. Oh, yeah. So you The computer anyway, you know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, goodbye, Martha.
2: Yeah, the automated (laughs) ones.
1: Yeah, that's what you're getting more and more now. They're supposed to be doing something about that, but, you know, they've been supposed to do something about that for how long? Mm. Uh, This circle, and it's not about the uh, COVID-19, but I saw this, and we've talked about this quite a bit. Uh, smoke taint is no joke for grape growers. Yeah, we know that. Uh, we've talked about it quite a bit and everything. And uh, the discovery of penicillin left a dirty Petri dish in the lab sink before going on vacation and up and returning. He found that the bacteria uh, was covered and a mold had formed and he invented penicillin. But Today, such happenstance may be dropping into the lap of Cultiva, a Las Vegas-based company that focuses on plant cuticle care. Its anchor product, Parka, has proven effective since being introduced in 2013 uh, to uh, suppress rain cracking, increase yields, and prolong shelf life for crops and to mitigate the smoke taint that is usually caught up in those grapes. So maybe they, says, smoke taint is a problem, and obviously it's becoming a greater problem every year. This just further validates the value of our technology to help mitigate these psychological disorders that crops are seeing with climate change. And that's why smoke taint gets into it, because the you know the cracks in it, the skins are thinner and stuff like that. So it's uh, a wine defect caused by wall smoke, which makes the issue especially relevant in the Meccas of California and Australia. So they're uh, looking at doing uh, a new spray here, PARCA, Uh, artificial grape cuticle applied one week before exposure to stimulated forest fire smoke at one to two weeks after the onset of ripening and reduce the levels of the compound and smoke taint by three hundred percent and smoke exposed grapes at commercial maturity. Wow. So we've talked about smoke taint in the past. There's a little good news about smoke taint and this new chemical can stop it by three hundred percent. So good deal, good deal. All right, let me I, – I, I just saw that, and I wanted to share that with you. The impact of the pandemic on German wines. Again, it's not just the United States. It's not just California. We have German wines in Germany. This is from Meninger's Wine Business International, and it says, a new report from Geisenheim University charts the impact of the novel coronavirus on Germany's wine sector. And they say the news is grim. Now it doesn't affect the grapes. You've got to remember the, it is not going to affect the grapes. It's not going to affect the wine. It's the people who deal with it. So if somebody with the coronavirus happens to be a picker, it's not going to affect it. It won't survive. Now, question is, what if they sneeze on a batch or what if it gets in I I don't know. I'm, I'm not a chemist. I don't know how long that'll last. I would guess that it wouldn't, but that's just a guess. The pandemic's is already having a deep impact on Germany's wine sector and it says insolvencies are set to increase. The market for premium wine is likely to decline and there's a race to sell online. It says the impact of corona on German wine producers is a the latest report and it says the report based on the survey of 844 wineries across Germany suggests that the worst is yet to come. The lockdown measures and closures of restaurants and bars is doing its numbers, taking effect on it. This is as of the end of 20, April 2020. They don't have the may report complete yet. Uh, wine estates already visibly affected after just one month or uh, after the first month of the pandemic and sales were starting to decline by 12.7% over the same time last year and it is increasing even more so this month. Sales from many wineries are grim. Wineries saw sales to Wine stores and on-trade uh, uh, through the winery has plunged by up to 56%. Impacted not only by the pandemic but also by U.S. tariffs, the exports have fell, fallen by as much as 34%. You take 34% of your business away. You take 34% of your income away. You take 34% of anything away, and it's substantial. You walk in and somebody says, I'm going to give you a 34% discount on this item. You're going to jump on it. Now we have 34% of this of these businesses. It says not everyone is suffering, though. The winners sell mainly to supermarkets and other food retailers. The losers are selling to specialty wine stores and H-Rica, H-O-R-E-C-A whatever that is it might be a German store I don't know online sales from wineries own websites are up by as much as 36.5% and they're expected exports and clining H O H I don't know while online direct customer sales provide a ray of hope, but still not enough. 50% more business transactions are being lost uh, through the sm- small orders that they used to have. Uh, working and selling directly or digitally is accelerating, but not all wineries can handle it, and shipping costs are still an issue. A lot of places are... Offering cheap shipping or no shipping, and some of these smaller wineries cannot afford that, which is is tough on small wineries. I mean having having had a small winery, I can tell you if people were buying online, I could ship, but when you start factoring in shipping cost, a case of wine is about thirty eight, thirty-nine, forty pounds. So when you're shipping that's in a box and everything to ship it. When you got a case that weighs forty pounds and you're shipping it anywhere in the state of Florida, for example, I mean you don't even have to go out to the state. Anywhere in the state of Florida, your costs are gonna run twenty, twenty five dollars. That's going to take an impact on your sales there. So when you start working with small wineries and small orders, then unless you pay for shipping and all that, people aren't going to order that. And to pay for shipping on everything can get really expensive. Bigger wineries can handle it. We talked to, um, oh my gosh, I got a blank now. Who is doing a, a a dollar or a penny shipping, and that's great for them because they're big enough to be able to do it. Who did we talk to a couple weeks? Charlotte, what what winery was that? I can't. Oh, that's Brombauer? Brombauer. thank you, Bombauer. R-
2: Rombauer. Brombauer, uh, yeah,
1: Rumber. Yeah, they they offer penny shipping, which is great and wonderful for you, but small one you would be impossible to compete with something like that. They they can't say free shipping. I don't know if legalities and stuff, but they, penny shipping. Well, if I were trying to keep up on my sales, I might be able to offer 50-50 shipping or something. But I don't know. It's, it's just a a major conundrum when you start trying to figure out how you're going to make money and stay in business and still try to compete with the big guys, and it's just creates all sorts of headaches. Germany has a number of economic shock absorbers that swing into action when times are tough, and wineries are taking advantage of some of them. There's a wide variety of programs, both federal and state-specific ones, and the conditions vary and change constantly. At the time of the survey, instant liquidity aid for small independent businesses with less than 10 employees does not have to be repaid if the business was solvent before the end of 2019 which you know if you're a small winery and you're solvent of course you, you you're in good shape you can take a a uh, small independent business well it's not even a loan it's it's a uh, it's money Keep open, which is a good deal for them. A number of companies surveyed said, however, that they couldn't access government help because the process took long or they didn't fit in the criteria. Uh, It's an unfair distribution, they said. Now, this is Germany, it sounds almost like the United States again. A good business has to be able to survive a downturn. If you run out of liquidity after two or four weeks, we have already done something wrong beforehand. Others noted that some aid had to be repaid and saw it as a debt trap. Nearly 20% of the wineries have applied for Kruzarbeit, K-U-R-Z-A-R-B-E-I-T, where the company reduces working hours for employees and the government pays some of the payroll. But only 6% of the wineries have done that, and so it's a small percentage that have actually applied for that. So they can't lay off employees or send them on vacation because there's work to be done in the vineyards and around the winery. And that's what you're saying—you got to have the people around. There's always things to be done, and this time of year, crops are already bud break. You're already doing stuff. You're working out there. Uh, like we talked to Philip last week, he says he's has enjoyed his time in the vineyard. Because he's going out there and he can do his thing and all that. Nobody's around. But when you have a winery that has to be worked on by numerous people, you're going to have to spread them all over the winery. And it starts creating problems there, too. In general, wineries are nervous about whether the all-important wine festivals in spring and summer will be canceled. And they are a very important source of revenue in Germany. So they have... uh, Uh, stopped, they've all stopped or postponed their investments and are reducing their expenses everywhere they can so that they can make it through the summer. They're saying there is some light ahead. They note that many wineries are already already unprofitable before COVID-19 appeared and say she's already hearing, this is a Professor Lou says she's already hearing that many wineries are offering deep discounts. So if you... And, you know, even the United States, this is over in Europe, but with Mediterranean countries still sitting on wine from the 2018 vintage and a great glut in California and a slowdown in China's wine market, this is basically good for the wineries. Uh, The winery closures and consolidations are almost inevitable because of these factors. They... Believe that the wineries that are in good financial shape are going to be able to make it through, but the ones who are on the edge, are not real strong, are going to be the ones that are going to be folding or even possibly being able to sell out if other wineries can afford them or afford to take on the the debt. Probably be able to take on the customer base, but uh, it's not just customer base; it's a debt. And so Germany are still being forced to social distance. They're looking forward to the vaccine, as is the whole world. Says so this is an extremely unnatural to us humans and would be a new trend that will be detrimental to wine with the strong social connotations. So, and that's true. I mean, if you're going to, wine is typically a a group thing, a uh, socializing drink, something that you would want to have with others around, not just by yourself. So but the pandemic is affecting Germany also. Okay, let me go to the next one here. And let's see. Okay, this is. Well, this one says that alcohol sales have seen, alcohol sales see strongest one week growth since the shutdown. This is uh, since the first week of the pandemic. Uh, So this is uh let's see what is this. Well this is an older article so they're talking about 1st of April. Yeah, they talk about the 1st of April there going from the 1st of April to the ending of uh, the 2nd of May. So first of March three twenty seven yeah three seven through five two so March April uh, says that the wine sales has jumped up twenty seven point five percent in volume over last year uh, during that period but of course because again people are getting it online and picking up because there's things to do I even suggested to all of you that's something to do during the During the shutdown, is to try wine, drink wines. Uh, And let's see here. There's uh, how cash strapped restaurants can turn their wine sellers into profit. A lot of restaurants are selling wine, trying to create cash from their sellers, from their inventory. I don't know about Burns Steakhouse. I haven't seen anything at all listed about what they're doing in some of these other places. There's been nothing in wine magazines. There's been nothing on uh, TV. There's been nothing in newspapers or online. There, hmm, that's an interesting interesting problem there and interesting fact that I wonder if they are selling. Burns is, is a big big fancy steakhouse that has an enormous are always constantly listed as one of the best wine cellars in a restaurant in this country, so but they are uh nothing. I haven't heard anything. Sonoma is Sonoma County and Sonoma Valley and Sonoma is requiring closures, uh obviously throughout the thing. Robert Young Estate Winery whose owners well, my computer is blank. There it goes. Uh, Robert Young, a state winery whose owners have farmed the Alexander Valley for six sixth generation, relies on his history for 40% of his business. And it doesn't have any of that now. They are buying. What did you all put that? Uh, let's see. Where am I? of the business area. And that does count those who visit and become regular paying members of the wine club. Without being open in the taste room, we do not have a flow of customers buying our wines and new customers joining the wine club. Uh, Is Robert Young of the county's 450 other wineries. Now this is Sonoma alone, 450 wineries can continue to operate during the pandemic, growing grapes, bottling wine, and selling it in stores, restaurants, and online, but they cannot open their tasting rooms. And this is with most places. You can do everything that you need, but you can't open the tasting rooms, which is where most of the sales are. This says that 10,000 wineries and 8,000 grape growers in the United States are projected to lose $5.94 billion in revenues this year due to the coronavirus pandemic. This is according to a report by John uh, Maram-Marco, who is the managing partner of BW-166 and editor of Gomberg-Frederickson Report. I guess that gives him credit because he has a whole bunch of stuff after his name. Uh, The um, taste room sales alone are expected to plunge by 80% costing wineries $3 billion in lost revenue. Buy local people. Buy, buy, buy local. At Robert Young, with year-over-year revenue losses in the 7% range, they've moved to offer free wine deliveries to local buyers from Petaluma to Cloverdale. And they are trying to work on virtual tastings and all sorts of deals like that. So it's it's staggering. It's staggering how they're trying to make through it. And some of them aren't. Like I just said, there's quite a few that are not making it through. Quite a few that are closing down. Oh, let me see. I saw another one here. Burgundy, I was just, they were France here. Burgundy, so the virus is keeping people away from restaurants, and that's killing Burgundy producers. Burgundy producers are reeling as COVID-enforced hospitality shutdowns have halved sales of the region's hallowed wines, leaving stock holdings of some of the world's most sought-after wines effectively in limbo. Uh, the uh, Burgundy Professional Body, the BIVB, which whatever that stands for Burgundy something, has released some sobering figures pointing out that most of the region's sales came not from stores or auctions, but from restaurants and bars. The closures of these outlets across the world as a result of the pandemic have meant that sales have simply dried up. After the first two or three months then it started to take the effect don't have the figures for April yet but they're expecting a big drop and figures for May are still a long ways off They're running about two months behind on these so the timing has been harsh for the burgundy and the 2020 vintage seems particularly keen to come to life after a mild winter and a hot weather in the early spring By the end of April, the vines were two to three weeks ahead of where they were in 2019. With alternating days of lovely sunshine and springtime rain, flowering was already happening, which is early compared to the average over the past 25 years, which is usually around June the 9th. And here they are getting it at the end of April, 1st of May. Wine growers were quick to adapt. And they've been able to continue to work. And the, again, issue of seasonal workers has been a major concern. The work that will happen in the vines between now and the harvest will require more and more people. An initial push allowed us to complete our springtime tasks, but the issue of manpower for harvest is now a central one. The industry is awaiting a response from the government regarding how they plan to deal with this. So, again, it's not just here in the United States and up and down the coast and around different areas what they're going to do for workers, but it's also in France and I'm sure Spain and Germany and everywhere where there is a need for workers for harvest and stuff like that. And with the lockdown, no one knows how long this is going to last or what they're going to do for workers. It's uh, an issue, to put it mildly. It's it's going to be a major impact, and it might impact us in the form of costs. Because when you start looking at higher costs because they've got to hire more people and try to get anybody and everybody they can, then the cost for the labor is going to be more, which will translate, obviously, into more cost for the consumer, us. And so it's not going to just be California is going to be everybody. It's going to be all wines from around the world are having an issue trying to get workers for the fall harvest.
0: <clears throat> Excuse me.
1: And like I said, it's not too soon to start looking at that. They're looking at what they're going to do, but it could could end up being, being some major issues along the lines of cost. The uh U.S. wineries are slowly starting to open, though. I mean, it's it's. I, I've been telling you some of the bad news here, but they're they're cautiously reopening. This is from Wine Spectator. Uh, this is from last week. Uh, where's the date on this? Yeah. Co-founder of Texas Winery Paddle Nose Sellers says, "I do think it'll eventually get back to normal." Yeah. Well. Okay, probably. Wineries are starting to see restrictions lifted in tasting room operations, but it's still 25% just about everywhere. And you're allowed 25% occupancy, which is 75% less than what you're normally able to have. If, well, during the festivals that we used to have at the winery, if we cut back to only 25% of the normal crowds in there, it would be just like any other day. Uh, it's it's a big difference. It says, while winemakers in some states are gearing up to receive guests in the coming weeks, they face new dilemmas. Every state rules are different on when and what and how they can reopen. Texas has allowed many businesses to reopen, including winery tasting rooms. Excuse me, but again, twenty five percent occupancy. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has started easing restrictions in the Finger Lakes regions. Wineries are still limited to curbside pickup only. Virginia wineries are permitted to have outdoor seating only. And the, um, let's see, uh, New Mexico, 25%. It said we did 70 uh, winery in New Mexico, uh, Sheehan Winery in New Mexico said, uh, uh, Sean Sheehan said, we did 70 festivals last year. We will do one this year. That's probably sixty to seventy percent of the sales gone because of cutting back on it because of the restrictions. Uh, what other places? Uh, well, okay, here we go. Pennsylvania Winery, uh, a Sam Landis, a Pennsylvania Winery, Pennsylvania Winery, Vincrest says that they have enjoyed strong online sales with the wine club and curbside sales. And he said the online sales have been incredible, but it's still not making up for what he's getting. Online sales are up about 300%, but it's still not making up for what he would normally get if the tasting room were open. William, (coughs) excuse me, no, that is not any disease, I am on medication, and medication makes me cough. So, they've been able to pivot in many ways, says a Chris Bundret, owner William Chris Vineyards. He said we've been able to connect with people and create new fans out there through online sales. As some wineries are seeing additional growth beyond those direct orders. Uh, distribution to supermarket chains has benefited, uh, especially King Family Vineyards uh, in Virginia. Matthew Brown says that his established sales through liquor store and supermarket chains, and that's really helped move his wines out there and get them into the uh, places that they haven't been before. He says he lost, uh, and business has been made up by places like Whole Foods and Wigman's. And so that's good there. It's it's slowly starting to come back, but we can all agree that it's not there yet. Our weekly virtual happy hours have been a tremendous success. This is from Brad Myra of Gruet Winery in New Mexico. Uh, I think we talked. No, I had I have a wine. I got a champagne from Gruet. That's why I know the name. Uh, definitely will continue to do more and more virtual events long after this is over, he said, because it's been such, such a success. Uh, every post that we put out there, people are like, we can't wait to come back. This is my favorite winery. I can't wait to put my feet up, says they Sue Lauber, general manager of Montel Winery in Missouri. They're going to want to come out and have a great time and party and drink wine, but not yet. We are still faced with the Restrictions, no clear indication yet of what it will of what it will necessarily mean for wineries when states reopen. Vineyard work and winemaking have continued. Producers are anticipating major shifts in how the wineries over, otherwise look and function. States are man, mandating that businesses keep occupancy lower than normal. Twenty five percent has been this new standard. Definitely going to look different, says a Carly Razzie Mac of Pennsylvania's Pinswood Winery. We're taking out almost half of our tables in our tasting room. Like other wineries, they are able to open their outdoor spaces first, where rules are less rigid. People are seated outside, but you still have to get the spacing. And this is wonderful for customer experience because they're going to have nobody around them but it's still going to be something that the winery has to deal with so bottom line it's starting to happen it has affected wineries tremendously especially the small ones around the world that are closing down some of the small ones can't survive i have said before if it happened when i was open at the florida State winery we probably could not have survived this either. But my heart goes out to the ones who can't survive. It is opening up. A lot of states are letting the wineries open up now uh, for outside seeding. If they are allowing them inside, only 25%. But it is a start. The vineyards are still operating. The fermentation is still going on. The pruning, the bud break, everything outside and out in the vineyards and then the cellar is operating as per normal but we need to kick back and see what's going to happen with opening up more and more and particularly how harvest is going to work this year or throughout the world are we going to be able to get all the people we need to do our harvest or are we going to be restricted are we going to end up spending more money on harvests which will result in a higher cost for the wines. And speaking of higher cost for wines, is the price of wines going to go up? Trying to mitigate the two months, three months that they were closed, are they going to raise the prices? It wouldn't surprise me. Something that we may see out there on that too. So, winery and our cor- oh. coronavirus. Issue here that's
2: yeah,
1: uh, we don't know that's still up in the air, still happening, it's still going on. We don't know what's what the bottom line is ever going to be. So, until it's all over and we start getting reports,
2: yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's going to be a while before. Anything changes on that. But like you said, yep. things are starting to open up. But uh, what financially? Uh, don't know. Um, yeah. Okay. We will continue. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday, unless you have anything uh, extra to add here. And Nope. Just be safe minutes. out there. That's all. Uh, yep. Be safe. Uh, maintain your distance still. Uh, (laughs) of whatever safety precautions you have. Uh, We will be back next Thursday. That is uh, June the 4th at uh, 7 p.m. with our special guest, Alan Goldfarb, and uh, sounds like it's going to be a very interesting interview as well, and um, we'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in, and I'm going to switch a couple things on, and have a great uh, week and a great weekend. Thank you.
1: Thank you all very much. See you next week.
0: Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.